Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Have you ever had someone tell you such good news that you you felt like it was just too good to be true? You didn't know what to think or feel about it? You know, I was um, watching a fellow this week uh, named Anton, and uh, he was sharing about the feeling that he had that was very much like that. He kept saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, how is this possible? And he was talking about his experience when the Americans came and liberated him from the concentration camp in Birkenwald, uh, Germany, on April 11, 1945. He went on to describe it and how he he felt and he kept saying that. How is this possible? There's no way to process that kind of good news. It's just so amazing. We're going to begin a study through the, the Gospel of Luke, the first couple of chapters. And begin with some very wonderful news. This morning we're going to hear the news of a son, John, who is to be born of parents too old to bear a son. And then as we continue on, we see the focus ultimately isn't on John, but on the one, the promised Messiah who was to come. Jesus Christ, who came to rescue a world enslaved to sin, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And Luke opens this account of good tidings, good news. In Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, if you would turn there. In Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says that it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So Luke wrote this account with all of these facts and eyewitness accounts of people who were right there experiencing these things, so that Theophilus and and you and I might be certain about Jesus Christ and these things that we have been taught about him. And so we're going to look through Luke chapters 1 and 2 at this incredible good news of the coming of the Lord. And apart from the scriptures, this good news may seem rather unbelievable. But God has given us his word. He has given us these accounts to give us certainty about the things that we have been taught. Let's read today in Luke chapter five or chapter one, sorry, verse five. And 
we will read to verse 11. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving, and I'll, I'll stop there. I'm going to break it up into four parts. As we look at this story of, of John, and he, he was... It was announced that he was to be born. And as we read, I want you to consider how this prepares the way for the far greater announcement and conception of Jesus. You can be sure that Jesus is Lord because John was conceived just as it was foretold just as God had said that it would happen. And as we look at the story of John, we're going to break it up into four parts. And this first part that I began to read is that God breaks his silence. God speaks to his servant. So that in the days of Herod, there was a priest, Zechariah, and his wife, and they were righteous before the Lord, but they had no child. Now, verse 8, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And we'll stop there for a moment. At the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there had been no prophet nor any revelation from God for about 400 years. And the hearts of the Jewish people were far from God. Indeed, the last prophet, prophet Malachi, had much to say about the hearts of the people. And they would offer their sacrifices. They um, did many religious acts of worship, but their hearts were not right with the Lord. And into this tumultuous time, we're introduced to Zechariah a priest whose wife Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest. So they came from a good lineage. They were a people, who, uh, a family, a couple who was godly. But they were childless. We read in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments of the Lord. The phrase before the Lord indicates someone standing before God in the place of a faithful servant to be righteous in the sight of God. 
They were people whose faith was in their God when it was not the norm. When people honored God with lip service and sacrifices, but not with a heart of worship. And they had no children. Not only did they not have children, but they were past the age where they could have any child. This is a great hardship in our world. But to the Jew, being childless was one of the bitterest of sorrows. In fact, many of the people in those days would have looked at them and and seen it as a curse from God. But when we read what God says, we know that they weren't cursed. God says they were righteous in His sight. And the mark of their righteousness was that they continued on. They walked blamelessly before the Lord. They served Him. They kept His commandments. And they did so even when they were too old to bear a child. They're a remarkable testimony, really, of faith. A reminder that true faith does not depend on the circumstances or having the the life that we would wish it to be. But rather, true faith serves the one true God and is confident in Him and His plan somehow in the midst of what is not the way that we want it to be, in the midst of exceedingly difficult circumstances, when to the community they might have seemed to be not righteous, yet we know that they were righteous before God in His sight. And Zechariah, being a priest, was called upon to serve at the temple. They were divided into different divisions because of the number of priests so that they would serve about, uh, I believe it was two times a year, and they would come to serve in the temple. And again, because there were so many of them, they couldn't all do each job. So they would cast lots to see who the Lord would have to do each task. And this time we read in verse uh, 9 that he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and to offer incense. This was a great honor because it was representing, the incense represented the prayers of the people. And as it was offered, it was a symbol of the prayers of God's people for salvation coming into the presence of God. And so, as Zechariah offers the incense and the, the priest would pray a prayer that would represent the prayers of the people as the people waited outside and prayed, all of a sudden, an angel appeared to Zechariah. And it's hard for us to grasp the importance, how amazing this would have been to see. I mean, try and imagine not hearing from God for 400 years. I know we don't live that long. 
And maybe you'll have a picture of what it was like. This was unheard of. Like my great, great grandpa didn't even see this. And, and here this angel comes. And God, after many years, is about to speak to his faithful servant, Zechariah. So let's read the uh, angel's message. The glad tidings of great joy in verse 12. Verse 12. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And this was the angel's message. He says, good, uh, this is good news. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Now that's an encouraging thing to hear. Not only as he's been offering up prayers just at that very moment, but as we think about no doubt his prayers for a son that I'm sure he'd stop praying because he knew it was impossible, but God had heard his prayers. That's a pretty wonderful thing. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear a son. It's going to be used by God, and I'm going to paraphrase what he says, but... It's going to be used by God to fulfill the prophecy of Malachi. It's what he would have immediately thought of as, as he heard these words. We'll look at that prophecy in a moment. This is pretty amazing. Child is to be named John, which means that God is gracious. Can't think of a better name to announce the coming of the one who's full of grace and truth. It would be a time of joy for many because he would be great in the sight of God. Verse 15. Why would he be great? He would be great not just in and of himself, but because he was set apart as God's servant. He was great in the eyes of the Lord because he had been called by God, given this purpose, filled with the Holy Spirit to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 400 years ago, God spoke through the prophet Malachi, which is the last verse in the Old Testament, last uh, book in the Old Testament. And he said in chapter 3, verse 1, 
Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. It would go on in the very last words of Malachi in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, speak of the one who would come, like Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. It's just what we read the angel saying in verses 16 and 17 of Luke chapter 1. It's an amazing promise. And here, the angel says that God's Son would be the promised messenger who would prepare the people for God. Just stop and think about that for a moment. John's ministry was to prepare the people for the Lord's coming so that their hearts would be right before God, that they would turn from their wicked ways and that they would look to the Lord and worship Him. If John is the messenger, then who is the Lord and and when did he come? Well, in the very next section, the Messiah's birth is announced. And we'll talk more about this next week. But for now, it's enough to, to remind you, I'd like to remind you that the word of God tells us that Jesus is Lord. That he is the Lord is spoken of here. And in John chapter 1, verse 30, we read the testimony of John the Baptist as he's grown up and, and he's preaching a message of repentance and turning to the Lord. He uh, points out to his disciples as he saw Jesus passing by, he said, this is the one about whom I said, after me comes one greater than I am. He said that of Jesus, the one who is to come after, who is greater than I. So we could put it simply this way. John's whole purpose in life was to point to Jesus Christ, who was and is so much greater, to prepare the way for his coming. Now, it's easy to say that John points to Jesus, but let's compare what the angel Gabriel said about them. The angel Gabriel said that John would be great before the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 15. But in chapter 1, verse 32, we read that he says that Jesus was great. He was great in and of himself. Gabriel told Zechariah that John would proclaim the Lord's coming. Chapter 1, verse 17. And then he told Mary. And uh, 1, verse 33, that Jesus' kingdom shall never end. Gabriel announced that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. 
1 verse 15. Now that's pretty amazing. It's wonderful to hear. And then he announces to Mary that Jesus is called holy. And he is called holy even before he is filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. This is something that can only be said of the Lord God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, of whom it is said in heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. So this is incredible good news. John was born to point us to someone greater. He was born to point us to Jesus and to show us that he is Lord. Born to prepare the people to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ. So we've seen that the Lord has now spoken after many years. And we've looked at this wonderful message that John and to prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for Jesus' coming. Now, how will Zechariah respond? Well, in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Well, that seems to me like a legitimate question. In fact, it's interesting Mary asks a similar question when she sees the angel in the next verses, but the Lord knows the heart. And here, Zechariah doubts something that he should have known. He should have known that the Lord is able to do what he says. He's just had an angel appear to him after the first, after so many years. And he knew he was a priest. He, he was supposed to know the word of God, to know the stories of Samson's parents and Samuel's parents and of Abraham and Sarah when the Lord said, is anything too hard for me? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. Zechariah, even knowing these things and being a righteous man, a man who served God, had a moment of doubt. And maybe you find yourself in that place times. Maybe you doubt whether Jesus is God or can I trust his word when, when it says this or when it says that. Know that I have been there. Would remind you, this is one of the reasons that Luke was written. It was written to give a real life account of Jesus. Why he is the Messiah. And you can trust him. So let's keep going. And I would ask you to consider the angel's response to Zechariah. And see what happens next. In verse 19, the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have to admit that most, I normally would gloss over those words. 
But I was reminded of the book of Daniel. And this is the same Gabriel who explained to Daniel the great prophecy concerning the the Greeks and the Persians. This was a prophecy so accurate that some people have said it couldn't have been written 100 years before, and that's ridiculous, they say. Just amazes me. This was Gabriel. This wasn't a joke. It wasn't some heart-playing cherub, but a mighty angel sent to do the Lord's bidding. And the Lord, or, and uh, Zechariah had asked for a sign. And so the Lord, through this angel, gave him one. Probably not the one he was planning. Because it says in verse 20 that he was struck dumb. Unable to speak until the word of the Lord would come true. Definitely gave him a bit of time to think about trusting the word of God. And what he knew of God and his power, what he knew of God's promises. You know, I look at this act of discipline as as a real wake up call, an act of love. And we see how Zechariah responds when he's again able to speak that he has learned his lesson. That he, he praises the Lord for visiting and redeeming his people in chapter 1, verse 68. And we have this beautiful prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. Sometimes we need those times to wake us up and to realize God is able to do what he says. We can trust him. And so Zechariah is an example to us of, of a good man who, who doubted God in that moment. But he saw also that God could be trusted in the end. He had faith in God. And God kept his word. And we read in verse 24, after these days, His wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Baby, conceived in their old age, God had looked upon them with grace, with favor, and taken away their reproach. That's good news. So let me summarize this for you. Zechariah is given this incredible message of hope and salvation. An angel announced to him that his son would prepare the way for the Lord. And at first he doubted the Lord. But God was faithful to do as he said. And in the end, Zechariah is able to praise the Lord for his faithfulness to keep his word. Now, it's easy to doubt the Lord's strength like Zechariah at times. 
a lot of times I wonder, how is this possible? But we can be certain of God's promises. just want to remind you of that. God kept his word from the prophet Malachi. He kept his word spoken to the prophet Zechariah. You will recall at, at the beginning of the message, I reminded us the purpose of Luke's gospel is that you may have certainty about what you've been taught. Luke's gospel gives us certainty because it teaches us about Jesus with accuracy and with detail. It's God's word to us about His Son, Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, if you're doubting, if you're not sure about things, look to the word of the Lord to find certainty in life. Do what he has said, what he has promised, and what we read about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, God declares, I am God. And there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying that my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purposes. You can be certain. Certain of what the Lord has said. Certain that Jesus is the Lord. That He is God. Why? Because John was born to prepare the way of the Lord just as God had promised to Malachi and promised to John's father, Zechariah. John's purpose was to point the way to Jesus, to call us to repent and believe in Him. And the story of his conception is yet another proof that we can trust God's word. It's, it's yet another display of God's power and his grace, of his faithful love that endures forever.